Visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Hello and welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I'm Natalie Sohn. Up this hour, I talked to Julie Shi, a doctor turned painter, the owner of the Yuanwu Gallery here in Taiwan on Taiwan Today. Also, a taste of the live performance scene for you on Live from Taipei. But first, join us on Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Friday, December 28th, and in the studio we have Shirley Lin. Hi. Jake Chen. Hello. And I am Natalie So. We'll be talking about how Ding Tai Phone is doing in Dubai. Also, a super mom who did something quite incredible here in Taiwan. And the latest etiquette for Taiwanese on the Line messaging app, which is very popular here in Taiwan. Those stories and more coming up next. Okay, well, Ding Tai Fung is a very famous um, restaurant here in Taiwan, mm-hmm. known for its xiaolongbao. Yeah, like right? these uh, tiny soup dumplings, right? Soup they dumplings. Uh huh. And they're doing very well abroad as well. Tell yeah. us what's going on. Okay, so well, this uh, Taiwanese uh, famous uh, dim sum chain, Ding Tai Fung. Has just opened. Well, actually, before the end of the year. Oh, okay. So it might have already opened. I don't know. Its third restaurant in Dubai alone. Wow! Okay. I didn't know the Arabs <laughs> liked uh, I know. Chinese food so much. Isn't it amazing? A new market, I guess. Mm. Well, the restaurant is located in the Dubai Mall, and it's scheduled to open its doors for the first time this month. And all the works on the site has been completed, uh, according to reports. And uh, Din Taipo has actually become a smash hit in Dubai, with long queues already seen at the restaurant's two other locations, uh, one at the Mall of the Emirates and the other one is the El Gurair Center. The new location is said to be the chain's most grand in Dubai and will feature outdoor seatings Ooh, overlooking nice. the world-famous Dubai Fountain. Oh, that must be the most beautiful scenic yeah. thing I found around. Because I think Dubai is known for having really exotic architecture. Yes. So, yes. I mean, to build a restaurant there, you oh, better yeah. be up to their standard. You know. <laughs> yeah, the third one, too. You so don't want to look bland. Yeah. I think it's just going to go bigger, and, you know, grow bigger and bigger, I guess. Yeah. But um, the menu is expected to be similar to the other two sites, right? But it includes one or two mystery dishes. <gasps> Oh, now of I want to go to Dubai and try it there. <laughs> of course, it doesn't say what they are, but which are not available Ooh. at the other two locations. So, Interesting. and this is only after um, you know the the chain's first and flagship UK restaurant in central London that opened just on December fifth. So that's like the first, I think, uh, overseas branch. Yeah, not first overseas. They have oh, a lot the, in in, uh, in UK, right? Out, oh, about Europe. Okay. I think you're talking oh, about Europe, Europe, probably. Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, they're they ha- they're in California too. And oh yeah, they're long right. lines. So they're going. They are. There are long lines for Taipei. <laughs> even here in Taiwan. Even Taipei. Even here in Taiwan. I'm curious about the one in California. The lines aren't just like Asian Americans, right? Like lo- local. Um, I don't know, but there are long lines, mm. and, and my dad's like, "It's not worth it. I'm not going <laughs> to stand in line for." <laughs> An hour <laughs> for soup dumplings. <laughs> I know, but here I think the flagship st- uh, restaurant is frequented mostly by Japanese tourists. I think people like to go to the, the first 
yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Right. Even though now they're all over Taipei, like every department store almost has one. Right. Mm. Right. And there's still long lines. And like still everywhere long lines. you go, you gotta wait like an hour or so. I mean, the Japanese people are willing to wait for what hours just to get into that restaurant. Can't they open enough restaurants for them to meet demand? <laughs> yeah. It becomes like you know their must-go place, and like the tour buses would just bring them there. I mean, it's all part of the package. I guess you know? in business, that's what you call a good problem to have, oh, right? Man, I wish but I their had food is good. Like that. So, yeah, what do you think is the appeal? I mean, I know they're famous. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like most about the food there? Um, their dumplings are definitely very, um, very delicious and very diversified. I mean, <laughs> there's a whole variety of um, the dumplings. different dumplings. I think people go but you know dumplings. what? Their fried rice, it was amazing. When I tried out um, their fried rice, it was when I was hosting Made in Taiwan, and I actually did a show on them. And I went and tried out their food. And their fried rice, what's green is like perfect green. What's, what's yellow is perfect yellow. It's like really bright colors. So the egg in there is like totally, you know, it's just... You you wonder if they use a, a new wok every time when they when they fry the rice. They must use fresh, very fresh ingredients. Yeah, the colors are just wonderful. It's so enticing. Well, I know that you know. I'm sure they have a very good SOPs to keep the standards high. You know, throughout the world, and, and from what I know, the employees are well paid too. Oh, so you know, well, everybody who works there is happy to work there. They work hard, and they, you know, they uh, cook to the exact standard that you're supposed to. And yeah. So they got a good system going there. That's yeah. one way to keep your business sustainable over the long run, right? Right. What they're famous for for their dumpling is um, sixteen folds. You know, with the oh, um, the, the pastry. Yeah, so delicate. Yeah, sixteen yeah. folds. So exquisite, and it's like there's soup inside, <laughs> right? And, and it's just the right texture. Their chicken soup is really good too. Mm. Lots of great food there. If you haven't checked it out, it's probably going to be coming to a city near you. <laughs> Well, Line is a messaging app which is extremely popular in Taiwan, and there's been some talk about uh, the latest trends, about what Taiwanese like to do online, and, and the etiquette. Tell us more, Jake. Right. Uh, just to give you an idea of how popular this messaging app is, there is only well, there is a total of 23 million people here in Taiwan. There's 21 million Line accounts, so close what? close to one per so what person. About the- kids like too many i'm sure there's more than one per adult if you put it that way right yeah definitely and there are a lot of sort of those advertising accounts that are just created to, to ah that's right to that's sell right. car insurances and sometimes that's prostitution but anyway um overall i mean th- th- i think every single taiwanese that i run into has at least one of the accounts and uh it's it's for good reasons you know a line is a i would say almost a fun messaging app to use it's not just purely functional that's true i like the stickers yes like there's so many varieties and some that even move and mm-hmm. yeah these are Talking about stickers, stickers, the stickers. are these uh, cute animated uh, uh, emojis that, that sort of express thoughts and emotions for us, right? right? And they are just vastly popular. They're economic machines themselves. You know, they generate a vast amount sure. of money. Sure. They, they come from like different movies and yeah. char- Disney characters mm-hmm. or, or whatever celebrities. you like. Celeb- political figures. But yeah. you know, I, only, I usually go for the free stickers. Oh, free ones. I, I refuse to pay. For but they're not <laughs> the expensive. Stickers. They cost like one or two US dollars. That's <laughs> how they draw you in. Yeah, you get the first one and you well, never stop. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm addicted to buy one a day. You buy a couple and you just use them, right? Right. right. So you want to know what's the most popular sticker of 2000? Yeah, I do want to know. What it's is the most popular one? The reigning champ from 2017 is still the most popular one. The Chinese title of the sticker series is Bai Lan Mao. It's a cat that that's 
you know overweight and doesn't do anything it's sort of it, it most of the expressions that i've seen based on from the cat is like things that he doesn't want to do you know? <laughs> lazy cat yeah lazy cat yeah so what does that say about taiwanese people <laughs> yeah really i guess when you know we do get to use line then you know it's probably not when we're working or when we want to take we a break like from that feeling right yeah we like that feeling of i'm not just i'm just gonna not gonna do anything um, there are also some pretty popular, a list of pretty popular functions here, according to the uh, line headquarters here in Taiwan. Um, the top function is something that I don't think many of us here are very uh, familiar with, but apparently it is, statistically speaking, the most popular function used in 2018. This is to to sort of, um, if you're in a chat group, you announce part of your message as a huge, as sort of de facto announcement of that group. Uh-huh. Um, oh, so you have to be the moderator to do that, or uh, you I don't? You don't have to. Actually. Anybody in the group can do that. Can do right? that. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of a, a fun. I've I've seen people do that in in different groups that I'm part of. You know, it's sort of like a fun way to bully your way into the top line, and then somebody will you know knock you down oh. a notch. It's it's yeah, it's a fun I've competition. Never tried that. But it pops up every time when you get into that group, right? It does. Yeah, it, it gets a little irritating. Right. I think I think there is a group that I'm in, and I think most of the other members are like senior members, mm. and um, I think they kind of did that by mistake. Okay. And so now it pops up every time. It's a little irritating. And you have to manually close it. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whereas in my group, people just you know take turns to to be on that spot. Uh, the number two most popular function is the instant uh, reply. So instead of typing your message to reply to a person you you type the you you sort of tap once to on the message that you want to reply to and then there's a series of automated sentences that you can really i know that i I know same here teach me like i'll I'll get back to (laughs) you or or or, uh, i'll talk to you later or yeah sure i'm in you know all the default sentences oh i need that because (laughs) there's this thing called it's not just internet etiquette there's line etiquette in taiwan in that because when the other person receives and reads your message you see that and now the, the the sort of the burden is on the other person to, to be reply and reply. It's like red, right? Yeah. And if you don't yeah. reply, it's like, so what's the deal with her? Yeah, you, know? yeah, you don't want to stay red and not reply for like 20 minutes. <laughs> for some reason, people can't take that here. So, yeah. yeah. I think we should talk about that. What, I mean, sometimes I do get offended if it's been a day or so. I, I, I right. think... Hmm, maybe they don't like me anymore or something. I mean, in the back of my mind, I think, hmm. Or did I word it wrong? You know, you know what's the hurt feelings oh, or something? Oh, wow. That, that, I, yeah, I, but I, sometimes I don't feel that way. I mean, it just depends on the situation. But I think you get a little bit disappointed. If, if it's not within the day, I mean, I don't like, right. I don't expect 30 minutes or something. Right. But um, how do you guys feel about the reply time? It depends for me. It depends on the person. depends on... Maybe it's not no, really true. that Depends vital for me If it's to... a close friend, I may right. be like, oh. hear more. Uh-huh. If it's not, it's a regular acquaintance. It's, <laughs> I give them space, no big deal. But yeah. a lot of people apologize if they don't reply that day. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry, you know, my phone's been out of whack. Like the, If they just reply a day late, it is they'll apologize for that. A legitimate psychological burden for many who <laughs> use this line. Like we, I've seen plenty of articles who, who got, like people break up over this. People get fired over this for not replying. Right. <laughs> like, like legitimately it happens. People so, break up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I was, yeah. we didn't have line when we were like, <laughs> dating. dating. Yeah. Right. I, I would be very like, how come he has a reply? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that. Right. So. Well, uh, and a third, right. uh, sorry, the third most often used function is retract your previous statement. I like that. A That's new a, function. You can retract yes. it right away without them seeing it? As long as you know they haven't read it. Oh, okay. Then you can retract it, oh, yes. That's nice. Just yeah. in case you did something by accident, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So I got to learn that instant one just in case. Uh, yeah, yeah, I need to reply quickly. I don't have time to type. Right. <laughs> 
Shirley, you have a, a story about a super mom, someone who did something a little incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, Christmas Day was also Taiwan's Constitution Day, but this year,、um, you know, the government decided to have all the legislators and county councilors, you know, sworn in on that day, same day. So anyway, there is this politician.、Um, she's Lin Bingjun. She's 35 years old, and she was elected to represent the indigenous peoples. And she was originally thought that、uh, she wasn't expecting birth、uh, to a third child until New Year's Day, but the baby came early.、Ooh. So、ah. she gave birth at 5 a.m. on Christmas morning,、uh, or rather, you know, sworn in day. But then she took leave from the hospital. And was at the Swan in at 10 a.m. five hours later. Oh my gosh! You know, I think it's because it's a third child. If it was、yeah. the first child, you'd be like, "I think I'm I need my rest." By third, you're like, "Eh, I've done this before." No, <laughs> <laughs> right, Shirley? Yeah, yes,、three. yes, yes. It's a they, little bit、uh, more carefree with the third. Yeah, and, and they come up faster too. You know, you go into labor shorter, shorter. You're not so you know, tight about it as well. No, but but this is amazing. That's a little crazy though. I yeah, think I, though. What I think is that times people really care a lot about you know the formalities of being at a Swan Inn. Like I'm sure that she'll still be you、she'll、know a, a, a legitimate counselor,、right? counselor, but she could have had her she, husband you know, stand in for her or or whatever, <laughs> right? But she wanted to be there. It's like well, maybe it's a it's once a in a lifetime、deal. thing for her, right? Probably it's, it's a first time too. True, it's like true. The baby's a third time, right? <laughs> so first, first time Swan Inn, third time baby, you know. <laughs> I guess so, there's a priority here. Yeah. Anyway, so she was representing Shinzu County. The thing was that she actually, you know, told her third child, you know, mommy's gonna be away for an hour, and I'll be right back. You know. <laughs> so then, I'm sure she, the child understood. Yeah, she looked really, really fine. See here, smiling and nicely dressed. Good, good for her. She, well, it was、um, a personal choice, right? <laughs> That's what we have to do as moms: make a lot of choices. Really. How to balance work and life. Super moms. Family. Not easy being a mom. <laughs> Definitely not. So, congratulations to her, and、uh, thank you for tuning in to here in Taiwan. And do stay tuned for Taiwan Today live from Taipei Newsmakers. We'll be back at the end of the hour. For here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So. I'm Shirley Lin, and I'm Jake Chen. See ya. This is Radio Taiwan International. Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Hello and welcome to Taiwan Today. I am Natalie So. Today I'm delighted to have with me Julie Shin. She's a doctor, a singer, the、uh, founder of. Yuanwood Gallery, and also the CEO of World TV. Julie, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me today. And、um, I really admire your life. You have so many different <laughs> passions and、uh, talents, and quite a story. You came here. I mean, you you had your own family practice as a family doctor in Seattle, right? With、yeah. your husband, who was a lawyer、um, at Microsoft, and for some reason, you decided to close that up and come here and start a gallery. Uh, tell, tell us about what made you to make this such a big decision like that. Yeah, well, I had a practice in Seattle area, and I was a family doctor for six to seven years. And my husband was a lawyer at Microsoft in the Xbox Group. 
um, you know, we had two small kids at the time, and uh, we had a big house, you know, two big cars, two little dogs. I, I <laughs> felt like I achieved the American achieved dream, the American right? Dream. Right, and, and at the time I was thinking, you know, is this it, you know, is my life like this for the rest of the time? And I felt this strong urge to, you know, maybe feel like I, there's something else out there that really? I need to experience. Was and it just too um, routine for you, or what was it you felt like you were missing? I don't know. I think sometimes... Too perfect? <laughs> <laughs> too comfortable. Too I comfortable. felt like maybe I want to have new experiences, have mm. some new challenges, you know. And um, at the time, my parents were living in Taiwan. They moved back to Taiwan about 20 years ago. And I thought, you know, here I am in Seattle taking care of other people's parents, you know, seeing patients for the last six, seven years. And, you know, my parents are all the way in Taiwan. And every time I talk to them on the phone, they, they seem so busy. And, you know, if I moved back to Taiwan, I could see them more. You know, my kids could learn Chinese and, um, you know, just have some new, a new family adventure. So thankfully, my husband was up for this Big change. That's even a bigger move for him because he's American, right? He's, he's not uh, Taiwanese. Right, right. I mean, he's a Jewish guy from Brooklyn. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it took me about a year to convince him to move to Taiwan. Um, and so we came to Taiwan. We were looking at schools for the kids, you know, place to live. Um, you know, after about a year, the timing seemed right. So, and we made the big change. It was um, October of 2014. Yeah. It's been so, four years then. Yeah, so we've been in Taiwan for four years and you know, we, we love living in Taiwan. You know, it's I feel like it's like a big family. <laughs> you know, Taiwanese people are so friendly. You know, they and, are and very friendly. you know, everyone's so friendly and you know, it's it's a different feeling than living in the US, you know. I I feel like, you know, for me, the distance between people in the U.S. is is greater, especially in Seattle, because you know it rains a lot <laughs> in Seattle. And um, uh, as a family doctor, I was often asked to check my patients' vitamin vitamin D levels. And you know, even without checking it, I can tell them pretty much it's going to be low. Um, so you know, it rains like six months out of the year in Seattle. We're higher up in latitude, so even in the summer when it's very beautiful time you know, the sun is not strong enough. So people start to get uh, seasonal affective disorder. And I think after living there for 10 years- You get more depressed too. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your mood is, gets affected by the yeah, weather, your, right? Your mood is very much affected by your surroundings. You know, so after living there for 10 years, you know, I felt like, you know, we needed a, a big change. And um, at the time, you know, just because my parents were in Taiwan and thought, you know, it'd be good for my kids to learn where I'm from. I was, I was born in Taiwan and um, moved to the U.S. when I was very young, when I was six so, years so old. So no regrets here at all coming back? You've been here for four years and yeah. you said goodbye to your practice. Now you're, yeah. I know that you like to use art as a way of um, healing people, right? You talk about that a lot. Right. You used to use medicine as a way to heal people, but now you use your uh, painting or yes. even music. Yes. You know, before as a family doctor, um, you would write prescriptions, you know, for a patient. They would go and get medication. And now, you know, being back in Taiwan, and I discovered, you know, the power of art. You know, art is, you know, something that is an expression of all of our humanity. You know, no matter which country you're from, you know, art is something that can connect people all over the world. 
you know, and so now I say to people, I used to be a healer of the body, but now through art and also my uh, background in, my, in music, you know, I feel like I'm a healer of the spirit and the uh, soul and the heart. You know? So xinling wow, zi liao. the whole person. Yes, yes, like the whole <laughs> Holistic person. Holistic healing. Yeah, psychologically and also uh, spiritually, you know, I think art is, you know, very powerful. You know, even when you see like an image on your cell phone, you know, people are always looking at their cell phone nowadays and, you know, sometimes even a very powerful image, you know, can grab your attention and you can feel emotions from just seconds of looking at a visual image. So, and, you know, it's a universal language, you know, and so I tell people, you know, when you start to appreciate art, you know, you can see the world in a different light. And, you know, well, how would you how would you describe the way you see the world when you uh, get into art? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at an artwork, um, you know, I found that art is something that is a very social interaction. You know, when you go to an art gallery, where you go, if you go to an exhibition, you know, you can look at a piece and you can talk to your friend about, you know, what do you see? You know, if it's an abstract painting or even a, a realistic painting, you know, it can touch you in a way. Uh, when we look at art, it actually stimulates our motor cortex. Ah, so we're not, there is a biological reason. There. Yes, yes. So we're not just looking at the art with our eyes. You know, when we look at art, it stimulates our motor cortex. So our whole body is responding mm. to it. So that's why we can get touched, right? right? I mean, emotionally by a painting or something. Right, right. And then when you start to, you know, notice art more, and I think you start to notice in your daily surroundings. You know, people always like snapping photos with their cell phones nowadays. And, you know, I think that is also, in a way, an art form. You know, photography is an art. Fashion is an art. You know, and, you know, design, architecture, th those are all arts. That's all around us. So in our daily lives, you know, we encounter art, you know, many, many times <laughs> in a day. And, and so, you know, when you start to appreciate art more, and um, I, I think, you know, it can also give you an escape from the routine, you know, mm, so that's true. perhaps if I had appreciated art more in Seattle, I would still be there. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to escape all the way to Taiwan, and, and you yeah. opened your own gallery. The, right. <laughs> it's called the Yuan Ru in yeah. English, Wan Ru in, in Chinese. Right, right? Wan Ru Gallery. So um, it's uh, actually my Chinese name. <laughs> so oh, okay. My Chinese sense. name is Xie Wan Ru, and I thought, okay. Uh, so my gallery is called Wanru Gallery. So if people, you know, know my gallery, they can pretty much know my name. <laughs> well, tell us how you started painting. Yeah, well, uh, when I moved to Taiwan, and you know, I started meeting a lot of different artists. And uh, when you meet one artist, you meet the whole group of artists, friends. And then, you know, I met collectors who love to collect art and also appreciate art. And, you know, art has been... There are over 300 galleries in Taiwan. You know, that's a lot for yes, a small island. Yes, yes. So, you know, there's actually, you know, art, the history of art in Taiwan is, you know, is very, uh, quite well established. And um, so there's lots of, you know, there's uh, established masters who are in their 80s, you know, still making art. There are a lot of students who are getting to art field. You know, there, there are a lot of young artists who are also looking for a platform, you know, to exhibit their artwork. When, so when I discovered the power of art and, and, you know, I thought, I wonder if I can make my own art. <laughs> so I started 
just painting. Did and you have a teacher or you just started doing it on your own? No, I just started wow. painting. First, I started like um, Jackson Pollock, you know, he does a drip painting. So I was inspired by that. I was like, you know, what would happen if I just took brush and dipped some paint and just splatter on the canvas? And I was like, wow, you know, this looks pretty good. I, I think I can do art. And, you know, from then on, I was just hooked, you know, and I tried different mediums of art. I, you know, first I did acrylic and then I, I did some oil and then, you know, charcoal sketches. And then more recently, you know, I've been doing ink pieces on paper. I saw you have a big collection. You have one where your whole gallery is filled with ink pieces on, yeah, on the floor, right. on paper on the floor. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. The thing about making those pieces, you know, I can buy a big ream of paper and just roll it all over my gallery floor, you know, many different sheets of it. And it becomes like my stage you know, all that paper, and I take this big, uh, they call it mashin. I think in English it's like a hemp rope is how it's been translated. It's, it looks like a mop, okay? <laughs> it looks like I'm painting with a mop, but it's made from rope. And I dip in the ink, and then, you know, you just, I, in, I wear my socks, I'm walking on the paper, you know, it's like a stage. And I think because of my music background too, you know, the painting and the music, and the healing, it kind of brings all my different passions and you know, experiences together. So, yeah, so you have to come to the gallery and we can paint together. Oh, I would love to. I mean, it seems to be something that's so freeing. Yes. If you can just like splatter all this paint on, yes. the, on the floor or on a canvas and then it'd be an expression of how you're feeling or yes. your aesthetic, you know, what you want to tell the world at that time. Seems like something really fun to do. Yeah. And, and, if, so, and if you like what you see as well, it's even better, right? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then when you finish your artwork, you have it. And you can put it in your home. You can share with friends. You know, you can maybe exhibit it even. And so, yeah. So it becomes something that's, that's there and everlasting that you can share. And, you know, I, I think that's what art is about, you know, just sharing with people about the power of art and its, you know, its ability to really move people. Yeah. And I know that people, I mean, in the medical profession or in the uh, psychiatric profession use art as uh, therapy as well, right? right? As a healing um, emotionally, psychologically. Do you know why that works? Yes, well, um, I met a Swedish artist who exhibited at my gallery, Gala Hegelberg Legion. So, she worked as an art therapist in Paris for many years, and she was telling me about her project working with Alzheimer's patients. She was telling me especially this case that's very vivid in my memory. You know, this woman who had Alzheimer's, she used to be an artist. So she was a professional artist. And when they went to visit her, she was like huddled in the corner of her bed, you know, not interacting. And then they slowly, you know, uh, prepared some paper, some paint for her, and, you know, got her to start painting again. And she just became a totally different person, you know, when she started to go back to her painting. Oh. You know, it's, I think it's just something that reaches across time and, you know, it's, it's something that's very powerful, you know, when you create art and also if you just observe art, you know, it can bring you out of a shell. I mean, there are a lot of, like... Um, even George W. Bush. Right. He's, he's an amazing, amazing artist. He's yes. an amazing artist. Yes, he's and Anthony Hopkins, 
and Jim Carrey, they all, you they know, paint. paint. Well. <laughs> so, yeah, there's something about It's probably in art. a lot of us, if we we're willing to give it a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and you know, that's the thing. It's like some people think, oh, but what if it doesn't look good, <laughs> you know? Then but throw it away and try right. again. <laughs> exactly, I mean, you know, paper, canvas is not that expensive. And you know, so yeah, you just try it and it, you know, it can just be for yourself, it, you, you know, and then if you like it, you can share. If not, you know, it can just be for yourself. And, and that's the thing about art, it's like when you're creating the art, it's almost like meditation, you know, because you're just focusing on the creation and you don't think about like, oh, what do I have to get at the grocery store or what do I have to do? Ah. To do this? You know, it's like an escape from the routine. That might be part of it too, because you're yeah. totally engrossed in something that's not so, what you call it, um, results oriented. I mean, it's not so much stress. Right. It's, not, it's not like work. It's, right. like, it's like play, and yeah. it's also an expression of who you are. So, um, well, you know, we'll be talking more about art as therapy. Also, we'll be hearing uh, Julie sing, seeing some of her music videos in our next episode of Taiwan Today. It's been great talking with you, uh, Julie. She's a doctor, a singer, the founder of Winewood Gallery, also a COO at World TV. Thanks for tuning in to Taiwan Today. I'm Natalie So. Welcome to Live from Taipei, I'm Charlie Starrer. At the Taipei Story Slam event on October the 25th, held as always at the Sappho Live Jazz Bar, the subject of the month was Where the Hell Am I? This week's story is told by Taipei-based Canadian thespian Stuart Glenn, who brought us this tale of confronting his demons in a Calgary elevator while it should be noted under the influence of hallucinogenic substances. So this is therefore a cautionary tale. Stuart, thank you. Hello, everyone. So uh, the, the theme is, where the hell am I? And so for you to follow along with the story, I'm going to need to tell you exactly where I was when this story started. And I'm going to have to get into some details. So... Um, the place is Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Anybody ever been there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, now, Calgary, Alberta, Canada has uh, this one block that is four office towers. It's called Bow Valley Square. And each corner of this city block are four towers. And the main level is a retail area. Uh, and then, of course, there's uh, B1, B2, B3. And I know this building intimately because when I first moved to Calgary in, gee, my years, uh, 1981, giving away my age a little there, uh, I worked in this building, so I knew it quite intimately. Fast forward now uh, to about 1987, 
and one of my buddies wins two free passes to the bar that is in the main course of Bow Valley 4. It's like Bow Valley 1, 2, 3, 4. Um, and so it's on the main course there. And so we parked down in the B2 or something like that. And we're about to go up to watch the hockey game. It's Canada. We're going up to watch the hockey game. And he opens up his trunk and uh, he has a bag of something called mushrooms. <laughs> Says, uh, Stu, you want to take a dip? And I'm like, hockey game, mushrooms, sounds like a match made in heaven. And we just, he had bought the, this bag of mushrooms for another friend of ours who was going on a geology field trip. It has nothing to do with the rest of the story. Anyway, we each have a little cap of these mushrooms. And we go and order a couple of beers and the hockey game starts. And by about halfway through the first period, we're just like, freaking the f out. And the period ends and we're just like, oh, we gotta get out of here, we gotta get out of here. So we go, we leave Bow Valley Square. It's about nine o'clock at night now. And we go across the street and we just sit there, we have a few smokes and we're trying to calm down and we smoke a little joint and we're trying to calm down. We think, okay, we got this, we got this. We go back in to watch the second period. Uh, no, nothing doing with that, man. We were just like yoinkers. So we decide to leave. And we go to the elevator that takes us down to the B2. And Terry says to me, you know where the car is as the doors to the elevator open. And I said, yes. He steps out of the elevator, I stayed in the elevator. And the doors close. <laughs> the elevator starts to turn red and I'm hurtling towards hell. I'm facing some sort, I, I don't even, I, listen, I don't remember the demon I was facing, but I, it was, it was deep guilt. And I'm plummeting down and this elevator is turning fire red and I'm struggling to conquer this demon and I face it. And the elevator starts to go up again. And the walls of the elevator turn from this fire and ashy red to a turquoisey green. And, and everything's okay, and I'm calming down. And then another demon hits. <laughs> Hurtling back down, it turns red again. At one point, some people get into the elevator, look at me, <laughs> ignore me, get out of the elevator, <laughs> down, face the demon, <laughs> back up. And it keeps going red and green and red and green. And, I, I, I did the math later on. I'm in this elevator for at least an hour and a half. <laughs> Finally, I have conquered all my demons. And the elevator goes up and up and up. And the elevator doors start breathing at me. Breathing. And there's this crack of white light coming through the elevator doors. And I think to myself, I'm ready. And I expect these doors to open up and my soul to shoot out of my chest and sail across the cosmos free at last. The doors open up and I step out of the elevator and I'm in Bow Valley 3. Not the parkade elevator, 
an elevator about 150 yards south behind locked doors. It's an office tower. I know it's the early 80s, but they had technology to lock the doors. And I'm locked in this office tower. I have no idea how I moved laterally in an elevator. <laughs> and I'm standing there trying to take it all in. And there's a guy mopping the floor. And I turn to him, and I'm calm as can be. I say, I'm ready to leave now. <laughs> and he points at the intercom by the card swipe on the door and says, Okay. I push the intercom and I hear, and I say, I'm ready to leave now. As soon as I say that, another person, not the mopping guy, another person just opens the door for me. I had tried that door. It was locked. He just opens the door for me. And the mopping guy, he was gone. And I stepped out, and I walked home. Don't do mushrooms, people. <laughs> Thank you there to Stuart, everybody. And uh, if his story felt familiar to you at all, it's because it was that ex whole experience was made into a film by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> you may have seen it. It was. Satan in an elevator or something like that. Um, Stuart's also going to be doing next month a, a very remarkable and December, unique... December. Um, end, of end of December, sorry, two months from now. Between Christmas and New Year's, organising a very special, very unique theatre experience called White Rabbit, Red Rabbit. And I wonder, Stuart, since you're here, would you mind uh, telling folks about it? Sure. Um, actually, Charlie will be one of the performers at White Rabbit, Red Rabbit as well. White Rabbit, Red Rabbit is one of the most unique theatre experiences either of us have ever heard of. Uh, it's oh, written. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, neither have I. Uh, it's written by an Iranian playwright, and the actor steps on stage. It's a one-person show, and he or she is given the script in a sealed envelope. It's a script. It's not improv, and for the, and you tear it open and perform it in front of the audience. Uh, it's supposed that we. I haven't read it. I can't read it. I, if I if I've read it, I can't perform it. If I've seen it, I can't perform it. I can only perform it once. Charlie cannot watch me perform it. I'll be going on Friday night. Charlie will be going on Saturday afternoon. We've got a huge lineup of great performers from Charlie. If you've seen Charlie, especially in the, the Vomity of Errors, amazing, amazing performer. Uh, we've got Brandon Thompson. You've all seen him rocking around town. Uh, John Brownlee, another really fine actor. Where the hell am I anyway? If any listeners are in the Taipei area over the coming weekends, the aforementioned mystery play White Rabbit, Red Rabbit by Nassim Suleymanpour will be performed by Stuart Glenn, by myself, Charlie Storer, and six other actors at the Red Room venue on the afternoons of Saturday the 29th and Sunday the 30th of December, starting from 2pm each day. For more information on this unique production, visit www.infinitykey, that's one word, dot rocks, R-O-C-K-S. But how do I think Visit RTI at English.rti.org.tw
Newsmakers, a look at Taiwan's movers and shakers. National Taiwan University or NTU President-elect Guan Zhongming, one of Taiwan's leading economists, is set to take office on January the 8th. Guan was elected president of the nation's top-ranked university in early January. The news came as a surprise to the former National Development Council minister that the election committee chose him over seven other distinguished academics. That's because Guan is not an NTU alumnus, nor did he seek the much-coveted job. An independent who is generally considered as having friendly ties with opposition Kuomintang heavyweights, Guan announced immediately that he would withdraw from all political activities. However, the education ministry did not approve his appointment until Monday, saying there were irregularities in the election process. But critics argue that the move is politically motivated, and the education ministry has no right to meddle with the independent spirit on campus. They said the accusations came after several attempts orchestrated by ruling DPP lawmakers to smear Guan failed. But new accusations of wrongdoing are adding a level of uncertainty to Guan's case. A local newspaper, the Liberty Times, says Guan violated the act governing civil servants when he took government posts between 2012 and 2015. The newspaper says Guan failed to disclose a writer's fee from that period, an allegation that Guan's lawyer says is false. On Wednesday, Taiwan's education ministry says the NTU should conduct an investigation into suspected wrongdoing involving Guan. That's the word from Deputy Education Minister Lin Tenjiao on Wednesday. Meanwhile, the government on Wednesday appointed Deputy Education Minister Yao Lide as acting minister following the resignation of Ye Junrong a day earlier. Ye resigned over the controversy surrounding Guan's appointment as NTU president. Guan Zhongming received his Ph.D. in economics from the University of California at San Diego. In 2002, he was elected a member of the Academia Sinica, Taiwan's highest research body. Thank you for listening to our programs here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Natalie So, back here with Shirley Lin and Jake Chen, and we're going to leave you with one more thing. Well, uh, winter has uh, begun already, so mm. I guess it is cold and flu season. Um, if you do happen to have a cold, uh, we do have some remedies for you. Right, or um, more precisely, we have some remedies that you should be aware of because they might not work as well as uh, uh, advertise says, or, or yeah. rumors. Yes, the the I think the convenience with modern communication is that anything true or false information gets passed along around really quickly. Uh, something got viral recently. So uh, the title of this is "Secret Remedies from a uh, Doctor of Wanfang," right from a local Wanfang Municipal Hospital. So it's flu season. Uh, uh, if you feel a little under the weather, 
By the way, this is proven that it doesn't work. Um, just <laughs> drink drink lots of coffee and water, and you'll recover really quick. Coffee, coffee and water. It's yeah, it's not good for you. Uh, and, and actually, it it does <laughs> it help. Is good for you. It does help, but it doesn't uh, you know fundamentally cure oh, uh, the flu. disease. Yeah, and then. Um, Apparently, this is rumored from a Wanfang doctor. So, an actual doctor from Wanfang Municipal Hospital posted on his Facebook page that I, I saw the thing going around, you know, gaining a lot of popularity. And, and I just want to clear the air. Coffee is a laxative, so drinking a lot of that make you go to the bathroom a lot. Mm-hmm. So, technically, uh, a, a lot more fluid flow through your body, which does help with your immune system. Ah, um, yeah. So, and if, you need water too. And you need water too. So, it sort of forces you to drink Clean, more water. Cleans out your system. Yeah. Maybe. So um, the doctor said if the uh, flu has just entered your system, it actually does cure it, but uh, the virus. But if the virus has entered your bloodstreams, then urinating doesn't really help. Ah. So this is one of the, the classic cases of you know things that get passed around. Uh, I'm not sure what homemade recipes that you guys have to offer. I do have one that I've only tried on myself a couple of times, and it, I think it works. When you feel a little under the weather, just in myself, drink lots of hot and warm water. And eat a lot of kiwis. Eat as many as possible. Really? Oh, okay. Kiwis. Yeah, I, really? it worked for me on at least two occasions where wow. I almost fell sick, and I and That's I. Amazing. So you learned this from somebody, or you you kind of invented this yourself? The the first time I fell into it, I was I think I was having a cold. I was clearly coughing a lot, and I you know kiwi was the only fruit that I had in my fridge. I thought, oh you know <laughs> the heck, so I uh-huh. ate it. I ate like three in a row. I think I probably overloaded my system with vitamin C or anything. Right. And I drink a lot of water, and then you know took a really hot shower. And I thought it was going to take four days. The next day, I was fine. Wow. Only three kiwis? That's <laughs> yeah. a good remedy. And then the, the next time I did it, and, and it worked. I, I hope it's not placebo, but I think it worked again. So, again, I'm not a doctor, but this, you know, something that you might want to... Maybe we should have more kiwis anyway. <laughs> yeah. so. Maybe I'll just good go for, for three us. oranges, just the same amount mm. of vitamin C, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> those, I, I think kiwis and oranges, too, are really high on vitamin Cs and a lot of the, the uh, things you need uh, in your system. So, it can't hurt. From what I know, a lot of Taiwanese people don't believe in taking medicine, so they just think drink a lot of water and rest up. Hmm. I think my daughter's becoming like that because she's actually going to be a nurse starting January second. I, I was, mean, she's got a real job. I was just going to ask you that, and she's yeah. a nurse. <laughs> and you know, lately she's just you know she got a cold. Actually, she got a pretty serious cold the other day, probably oh. the flu. You know, I said, guys, you know, go to the doctors, you know, get some medicine, and she was not going for that. And I, I, I realized that she'd rather go for like resting a lot, drink a lot of water. Medicine, a lot of medicine is not, not good for you, actually. Yeah, well, I do agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the other, the other way around. I mean, like a friend of ours was staying with us, and it sounded like he was coming down with a cold. And so I said, what I do is I usually take a cold medication, just at the beginning of thinking they might be getting cold, mm. and it kind of suppresses it. So. That's that's what I do when I take cold medicine. I might have just take it once or twice. That's the only thing I can just suppress the you know the symptoms from getting worse. That's interesting. Yeah, that's okay, me. <laughs> so we all have different remedies. You know what I do for a lot of sleep actually, and a lot of water I think helps a lot too. A lot of sleep. I think sleep yeah. is the number one most beneficial thing for your system to recover. Right. Probably more than eating. So I agree. Sleep and water and. Yeah, rest some vitamin up. C. <laughs> yeah, a lot of medicines they just knock you out anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just they have Make side effects. Rest. They you, have side effects. I mean, help you sleep better or worse. Sleep. Yeah, yeah, help you sleep. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope that you do stay healthy this season. Um, I hope that you enjoyed our shows today, and um, hope that you join us again tomorrow. Um, I'm Natalie So. Thanks again for joining us on Radio Taiwan International. Hope to see you next time.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.